Hello. Hello. Oh, my goodness. How are you? Oh, geez. What? Oh, well. You just, you know, you're coming on really hot. Yeah. Yeah, what's... Uh, nothing has changed. You're just feeling... Uh, nothing feeling really nothing like, has changed. But I mean, personality-wise. No, nothing has changed. You're just like, Dan Benjamin is <laughs> here. 110%. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 110%. Just rolling in like a semi-truck. How's Seattle? Well, it's sunny. I mean, I've only been awake for 11 seconds. Yeah. So, seems sunny outside. It was it was nice and sleepy where I was. In the moments room. Ago. Yeah. Yeah, sleepy in there. I'm still a little bit sleepy inside of my little head house. But I'm, <laughs> what's a uh, what's a head house? Oh, where my um where my self lives. Mm. I'm, mm-hmm, up in my head house. Mm-hmm. But I'll be uh I'll be arriving very shortly here in uh in temporal space. Okay. Meet meet space as the the wags, the internet wags say. Yeah. It's funny when they say things like that. But here I am, just like you, Dan Benjamin, 110%. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to tell people, our listeners, it's a little housekeeping that I want to try and do. Oh. Yeah. Right. And uh, and so it, I'll put a link in the show notes. I've actually done it one other time, but I forgot to talk about it. I think I did it in, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, episode 120 had a link to it in there. And I tweeted about it, but I would love it if people could do this. We, as, as you know, John, mm. we mm. have sponsors on this show. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, the sponsors will they'll contact us and they'll say, "What? Tell me, tell me about your listeners," because they're trying to decide if they should sponsor their really cool thing, and they oh, yeah. they want to know how the listeners fit into the world. They want to know are they are they you know how is the gender split? What is the education level? Do they do they have pets? Right. Are they, are they mostly are, retired military? Right. Are they employed? What is their income and, and what other shows do they like? And so, uh, our, um, are, are they ninjas? Right. Our friendly producer, Hattie, uh, put together a listener survey for, oh. for road work. And oh. it is linked to in our show notes. So if you're, uh, if you're looking at this show and you're in your, podcast app it should be in there but if you want to visit it on the website it'll be five by five dot tv slash roadwork slash one two two and in in there you will see a link to the roadwork listener survey it would be really nice if you could take a few minutes it probably will take you two minutes mm. uh to just just fill it out and and answer those questions it's all anonymous we don't um we don't save any personal private information, it's just you can go in and, and fill it all out. And that really helps us. It helps us get really good sponsors. It also helps us understand the listeners. With, yeah. You know? So do you endorse that? Would you could you oh. could you go on record and say that our listeners should list should do that? I wanna I personally wanna know the the gender split of every single person on the show. Right. Um 
What is the what's the URL again? Well, they should just go to <clears throat> go to our show notes. It's easier. Five by five TV slash roadwork slash one twenty two. As opposed five, to the long five, you know, URL for the form. Five by five five. Are you tweeting no, this I, or something? I put no, I put in fifth vey. It's not fifth vey. It's five by five dot TV dot what? Slash roadwork. Oh, slash roadwork. Uh huh. Dot two two. What was it? Twenty two. Uh, slash one twenty two. Oh. Slash one twenty two. All right, let's go see what this is all about here. Four oh four not found. Well, I don't know what you type, John, but it's five by five. Dot. Oh well, this site's not published yet. It's not published yet. It's not published. Oh, but there's but Hattie is there. She's, there's a gif of her smiling and winking. Yes, that's our four hundred four page. Oh, uh, but I if you want to, if you want to get to link, you go to. I posted in episode one twenty, so change to one twenty two to one twenty. And I mean this this oh, part oh. of the show, I'll edit all this out, oh. so they won't. Oh yeah, yeah, one twenty. Uh, no, no, no. Everybody's going to feel like this. They're all going to want to have. They're all going to want to be walked through this with their hands held. I see. Help us out by taking the roadwork survey. Yeah, oh, let's go here. Age. I'm gonna say I'm. Oh, you're taking 50. you're taking the f- it right now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Right. You know, Dan, um, uh, my birthday is next week. So I know it but, is, but it doesn't change my age range because according to this, between fifty, between forty five and fifty four, that is an age range. Hattie did that just for you to keep you in there with me. That's nice. That's uh-huh. nice. Uh, my gender identity is male. I am a United States. I am a WA for Washington. Uh-huh. I am a Seattle for Seattle. I am a marital status. Let's see. Here are the choices. Married. No. Single. Never married. Yeah, I suppose. That's a divorce separated. No. Widowed. No. In a domestic partnership or civil union. Hmm. In a relationship. Well, I mean, with a lot of people. <laughs> Ah, boy, I don't that, know that's been the problem, these. hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the right answer is here. I guess, but it's you know, domestic partnership is kind of a formal term, isn't it? It, it I refers think that's to like a common law thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to say single, never married, but I'm going to put a little. little well, uh, well, pause for a second there. After you mm-hmm. answer each question, I'll tell you because we've even though all I did was just link this once and not say anything about it. We have about 450, no 426 responses in already. Oh, good. So I can, I can tell you what these are so far. Okay. All right. So I'll just jump back to the beginning age. Mm -hmm. Um, 38, I'm just going to round 39% of our listeners are in the 35 to 44 group. Mm -hmm. About 27%, 25 to 34. Hello. And about 23% are 45 to 54. Oh, so I'm in a, I'm in a, like a, a kind of a small demographic of listeners to this show that are my age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, our age. Yeah. Our age. The most okay. are 35 to 44 year olds. So yeah. I uh, will. They, they identify with me. I identify with them. That's how old I think I am. Yeah. That's how I feel 34. too. Like my internal age is about 32. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, 32 is tough. Let me, let me just, uh, if you're 32, 34 and you think, 
why is life so hard for me? Yeah. It should be easy by now. Don't yeah. don't think that. It's really hard then. Yeah. Okay, okay so gen- gender split. Yeah. Su- surprise, we skew higher on the male than the female side. 88.5% no. No. Are, are men. Only, no. Even, even with your sex appeal and char- no. charisma, uh, you have an 18... Uh, 100 charisma. You know what I think this is? I think this is a s- situation where um, the women uh, just haven't filled it out. The ladies aren't filling it out yeah. or people who have a, a female gender identity are not filling it out. And, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, geez. Hang on. I didn't. I just like it was already pre-selected male. So I didn't see the other options. Male, female, gender non-conforming slash gender queer slash non-binary. Yeah. Transgender. Other. And prefer not to answer. Right. A lot of options there. Well, the, it's it's 89% male, 11% female, and then not even 1% in the other categories. Well, I, I, now I'm really curious to hear from everybody. Go on and fill this out along with me. And, uh, and you know, and don't, you know, don't put a fake gender identity just to change our stats, but like... You know, we want we want people who are underrepresented to represent. Yes, precisely. Most precisely most of our listeners, seventy five percent ish, are in the U.S. Surprise! Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get down to states, well, you know, I got a I got a, a, a an email the other day from a guy who said I listen to your show every day, uh, crossing over the Bosphorus uh, on my way to my job here in Turkey, where I live. That's cool. And he was he was not an American; he was a Turk. But uh, wanted wanted me to know that he was over there. All right, your state or province? Is- state. I mean, at number one, they're they're all in like the three to five percent range. But the number yeah. one is California. So be careful what we say. Hey, there you. Fifty seven percent married. Twenty three percent single. Oh. Never married. Eight percent in a relationship. Six percent in a domestic partnership or civil union. Five uh, percent divorced or separated. We even have some half, widows half in the, the audience. Half of the people are married? More than half, almost 60%, yeah. And they listen to you. Anyway, home ownership. I, I really want to hear, I want to hear a podcast from them. 60, well, no, well, about the same percentage of the married folks uh, are, are homeowners. About 60% of our audience owns their home, 39% rents, um, education. What would you want to guess? Do you do you think we have a high degree of educated listeners in our audience? If you had to guess, what percentage have a bachelor's degree? What percentage of our audience has a bachelor's degree? Mm, and and by geez. the way, the way this works, if they also have a master's or postgraduate degree, then they would have picked that. So it's not like they pick bachelor's degree and then at, tack on a master's degree. They're separate. So just oh. people who got a, a bachelor's degree and then stopped. What, oh, percentage what percentage? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Sixty-five percent? No, it's uh, it's forty-six percent have a bachelor's 46%. degree. Twenty percent uh-huh. have a master's or postgraduate degree. We have a very well-educated uh, audience here. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, but still, altogether, sixty percent have a either a bachelor's yeah, like 65%, degree or sixty-five percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is kind of what you said. Anybody that says doctoral degree. Yes, seven percent has a doctoral degree. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And we have some uh, some dropouts in here too. No, yeah, pro- I right. have no problem with dropouts. 
oh no, those are my people. Uh-huh. I, I I have to put bachelor's degree now because because it turns out I have a bachelor's degree. Don't you have an honorary doctorate somewhere? No, one day. One day, maybe. You gotta have goals. Uh, how many people are self-employed? Twelve uh, percent self-employed. Three percent student. Two percent, almost three percent part timers. Or two percent retired. We've got a one point one seven percent unemployed and and not looking for work. And not point nine four percent employed, but looking for work. I think that's better than the national average. And of course, I left out employed full time. We're at seventy eight percent employed full time. Excellent. So those are, those are the people who should be supporting the Patreon. What what is the average total household income? Now that you're now that you're getting coarse. See, the, Hattie, that's not in here. Oh, total it is down here. Income. Household down here. income. No, it's not. You didn't put that in your report. She didn't put in the report. Oh, I'm looking at the report. report. She didn't put in the report. Uh huh. See how fast she can get it in there. All right. Uh, so where are we? Education, employment status, pet owners. Yeah. Uh, you you and I both just love dogs and want everyone to own a dog. Uh, about thirty percent of our audience owns a dog. Thirty percent dog owners. Twenty two percent. All the yelling I do about dogs and thirty percent of our audience. They're sticking around. Twenty two percent own cats. Well, but again, these are just the survey repliers. Yes, this is only about four hundred and fifty or four hundred twenty-six uh, people. All right, let's see. How often do you listen? No to pets newly- are forty-eight percent, though. So oh, most of the yeah. Uh, I'm going to say uh, it says when do you listen to newly released episode? Immediately, mm-hmm. same day, and I would say same day and immediately are pretty close to the same thing. Although I notice when we post this episode, I start getting replies. Uh, referring to pretty the episode, quick, right? Yeah, as like in real time, right? Like uh, they have to be listening to it immediately, and that's uh, that's amazing that enough that that a uh, sizable portion of the people are doing a job where a new podcast can arrive, and they are not doing they're not in a meeting or they're not like talking to a coworker or thinking about something else. They're just like, Oh, here it is. I'm going to start listening to this and continue to do my work. That's a thing that always, that always uh, amazes me that there are a lot of people doing work that doesn't take 100% of their mm. brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next day is an option. We have a lot of those within a week's are kind of people. Usually when I get uh, replies from within a week, people, they start off with an apology that they are behind or haven't listened to the sure. episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm like, so sorry. I'm, I'm like three episodes. Behind. I'm so sorry, but like, I have to oh, respond I, to this. I didn't get to your, sh- you know, I haven't listened to your show and it's already Sunday and I'm like, wow, it's, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I'm, I'm impressed. Well, the reason is that's because most of our, uh, our listeners are actually, um, they're actually listening to it sometime that week. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, uh, let me find where I, where I was here. Hold on. Oh, and and Hattie ran over and said, "Dan, you're looking at the wrong report." Oh, Apparently, she did, the- she did two of them, and uh, th- there is one here that that does have the income. So I'll share that with you in a second. But when do you listen to a new episode? Forty eight percent listen within a week. Twenty three percent immediately, and then the the shameful bunch. That's what I call them. 
I let multiple episodes stack up before I listen. Fourteen percent. Well, that's that's not that's not that that's bad. Disgusting. That's not that many. Uh, okay, and so now you wanted to know about you wanted to know about income, right? Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I'm getting there. Oh yeah, look at it all breaks down into what their field of employment is. Okay, uh-huh. so household income. Uh, twenty four percent make between a hundred and hundred and fifty or one hundred and forty nine 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 nine. Mm-hmm. K per year. That's a considerable amount. 150 to almost 200,000 is, is 14, almost 14%. Uh-huh. You guys we are got doing well. 13% making over 200K. That's all our California listeners there. They, uh-huh. They're they living in poverty mm-hmm. and making 250K <laughs> a year. They can barely afford their Starbucks. <laughs> uh, we have 10% in the 75 to 100K range. We have 9% in the 60 to 74. People, some people prefer not to answer. Oh, yeah, and about six percent making under ten thousand a year. I think that's probably the same group that are students. I bet you're right. Mm-hmm. And uh, surprise, the largest percentage of our listeners are in software development. There's over twenty one percent in software development. The next category is other at eleven. We've got seven and a half in education, seven in IT and systems integration. 7% in professional scientific and technical services, 7% in military or government yeah. defense work. Uh-huh. About 5% designers. We would like to say thank you very much to Casper. What is a Casper? Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You know, you spend a third of your life sleeping. You should be comfortable. And the experts at Casper are working tirelessly to make sleep surfaces that cradle your natural geometry in all the right places. They're talking about making things comfortable. It's got a breathable design. It helps you sleep cool, regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And they have two other mattresses besides the original Casper. I have the original Casper, but there's two other ones. There's one called the Wave. And one called the Essential. The Wave has a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. And the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that, well, to be honest, won't keep you up at night. They have a ton of other products too, like pillows, sheets, and all these things that ensure a better sleep experience. And the reason that they can do this, the reason they can offer these mattresses at such great prices, is because they cut out the middleman they sell directly to us, the consumers, And they even have these hassle-free returns if you're not satisfied. How does that work? They give you a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So that's how you know you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. You can buy one of these things. They come in this little box. You're like, how did they fit a mattress in there? You open it. It expands and fills up. uh, It fills itself up. And then you get to sleep on this thing. And you get 100 nights to try it. That's how confident they are that you'll like it. And if you, for whatever reason, don't like it, they come and take it away. It's not like you have to like try to fit it back in the box and send it back. They come and get it, but they're confident you're going to like it. I think you're going to like it. I really love mine. So go to casper.com slash roadwork. If you go there, you will get $50 towards select mattresses. If you use the promo code roadwork, all one word at checkout, terms and conditions apply. So one more time, casper.com slash roadwork and use the promo code roadwork to get 50 bucks toward a select mattress. 
Thanks very much to Casper for making this show possible. I told you, didn't I? I was in Washington, D.C., and I got a message from someone who said, you know, I work for ICE. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But I want to, but I listened to your show, and I want to, like, meet up. And I was like, well, we have to do this clandestine. Right, of course. And so I stood out on the mall (laughs) in front of the National Portrait Gallery, and, um, I saw this character coming from a long way away. He had mirrored sunglasses on and was wearing a suit. It was really hot. It was really hot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he looked super badass. And, you know, there were a lot of people walking around. And I was like, here's my guy. And he walked over and he had, he had you know, pretty good, like, trade craft. But I wanted to talk to him. I didn't want to just, like, give him, like, a high sign. So we stood and talked for a while. And, uh, you know, he's a... He's a neat guy. He didn't join ICE to send people back to to Mexico. He he's just a he's a professional person. He wears a suit at his job, and he gave me some uh, challenge coins. And this was before he, he knows right right what makes you happy. He does. He does. And this was right before. Um, this was right before. Was it before? Before the election? No, I think it was after the election, but it was before the it was before all the ugliness with ice. Yeah, and so I, you know, I added them to my uh, to my challenge coin collection, and I was going through it the other day, and I was like, oh right, I have some really, <laughs> I have some, in addition to the uh, super questionable challenge coins I already had from people, I have these, I have these extra awesome ones. He was a, um, and by extra awesome, I mean like you know hot potato ones, right? Uh, but, you know, he's listening to the show out there, sitting at his desk, filing papers. Nope. And, you know, you could you could see that he was uh, he, he he was quick to, uh, you know, he was quick to explain that, like, not everybody in the in government services, like behind is behind the uh, is behind the president. Sure. Like, Say no more. Say no more. I mean, I'm uh, sure you weren't especially surprised by that. No. Uh, here's a question, and this has uh, this has been true of my career for the whole the whole length of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the over the years, people would come up to me after shows and talk about music, and you know i I always thought that I was in the rock and roll business, and a lot of my friends here in in Seattle are in show business, and a lot of my friends in the in the United States are in show business, and although. The, I, I tend to self-select and my friends tend to self-select, um, people like them. Um, I always, I always took the rock audience to be kind of a, uh, I mean, it's indie rock we're talking about. So I knew that they were, you know, more likely, I guess, to have a bachelor's degree, just given that it's college rock. All right. Sure. Um, but people would come up to me after the shows and, and, and talk to me about what they did. And after a while, it, it, Enough people said that they were either in the library sciences or they were in the the sciences, like the hard sciences, uh, that that I started to feel like it was meaningful. That that um, I expected to hear from a lot of people that were like, "Oh, you know, I'm studying like modern art, or I'm studying." I'm, I'm in, you know, I, I'm in college and I teach like, like graffiti or whatever, 
but it was, you know, it was like, I'm an ichthyologist or yes, I'm, you know, I listen to your music with my students while we, you know, while we like use little, little, um, toothbrushes to brush the dust off of the dinosaur bones that we're right. Paleontologically putting in boxes. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And I'm like, I'm like, well, oh, that's, you know, but then over time, like over and over and over. It's like scientist, 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 librarian, librarian, scientist. And I was like, what is going on? Like, what is it about the music I'm making? I do not have, I do not have science music. I am making emotion music. And then when I got over onto the internet side of the cultural equation, I expected that there would be a lot of IT people and designer, uh, internet, you know, what am I saying? Web designers. Sure. Uh, because that's who's on the internet, or at least it's who, who was on the internet. But now kind of everybody's on the internet. And maybe it is that podcast listeners are still majority from the, the from the world of, of tech people because podcasting is still a thing that feels like, a, like a, an art form of the early adopters. But it's very interesting to me that like, that that um, such a large proportion of our listenership would be in tech or science. I mean, when you put all the tech people and all the science people together, what proportion of our listeners is that? All of the, okay, let's see here. Going back to that. Oh, I got to look at the right report because now apparently I have two. All right, we've got 21% in software development. Uh-huh. And then we've got 7% in IT. That's 28% so far. Yeah, and you were asking, okay, so in science and tech services, was that the other uh-huh. one you wanted? Set uh-huh. seven, about 7% in that. All right, so... So what are we at, 35%? You know, 35, something yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. And that's, so that's all the people that are in what you would call tech or science. Yeah, I'm looking, there's an other category, so I've expanded that out. There's four per, 5% who said they're on internet, Okay, so there we go. We're at forty percent. Forty percent now. Um, food services manufacturing. Computer hardware is one point four percent. Forty one point four. Yeah, of course it's one point four percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. That's it. That's all we got. All right, but I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. a significant amount. Yeah. But I mean, I guess, I guess uh, you are a computer and tech person. I would think so. Yeah. So, so you're also bringing people that are from your computer tech culture. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, but it's just always curious to me. And I think that this is true of like a lot of the, a lot of the, the work that my friends do too. Right. I think that if you, if you looked at a breakdown of like, who's a fan of Hodgman, you would go out and see, um, you'd, you'd see maybe even it's skewed even more. Yeah. Uh, even though he thinks of himself as being a member of a literary culture. Um, Adam Savage, of course, has one thousand percent tech people because, yeah. he, and, and he would think that that was appropriate. Yes, um, but like, but I, I don't know. I think of myself in a, as a as a artist, kind of in a in like this sort of. I don't know. I'm not like Randy Newman, but but like some. I think of myself as someone who's making something b- broadly. Uh, for, for all. Sure. And the, 
and I don't know, maybe it is just that 40% of the people in America or 40% of the people worldwide now are working in tech and science. There's is that no so? Other. Is that the number? I didn't know that. Well, no, I'm just making it up. Oh, you're making it, might it up. Be. It might be. I mean, how many people at your university are in the liberal arts versus the sciences? Right. I, yeah. Who knows? Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe it's, yeah. Okay. Anyway, what other activity are you doing while listening to podcasts? Working. Well, all right. Exercise. Sure. Driving. Yes. Riding in car, bus, other. Yes. Cleaning the house. Well, I don't really do that. Studying. No. Uh, Shopping. How would you listen to a podcast and shop? Eating. Oh, oh, going to sleep. I hear this a lot from people. I listen yeah. to you while I'm going to sleep. I'm interested in. Now, here's what we get. Now, I want to know. I want to know what the responses are. Here. Okay. I'm interested in comedy. Yes, we talk about comedy. Business. We talk about business all the time. DIY. That's not a thing. You can't be interested in DIY. I mean, unless DIY means something. Do it. Other do than it I yourself, know. I guess. Well, I know, but that's not a thing to be interested in. No, no. Uh, gaming. I, no, we don't talk about gaming. We don't really talk about sports or cooking. Oh, politics. We talk about politics. We talk about style. Yes. Uh, uh, we talk about health and fitness quite a bit. We do not talk about true crime. We do talk about music and we absolutely talk about other. So I checked all those. Have you ever written to us via email or Twitter? Yes, I have emailed Dan John the show. Yes, I have tweeted Dan John. Yes, both email and Twitter. No, I have not contacted Dan John the show. Well, a lot of people are going to have to say that they have contacted us because I made them all tweet me at one point. And, and quite a few of them did. Yeah. Not all of them, though. How long have you been listening to Roadwork? Less than three months, seven to 12 months, one to two years. And technically, you've never one. listened, so you can't, you can't lie on your answer. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to this show since episode you one. never listened to it. I've listened to half of it. Half of one episode? No, half of it, which is listening to you talk back to me. Oh, that half. I see. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, would you be interested in roadwork merch items? Yes. In fact, you and I have been talking about putting out roadwork merch since the very beginning. And we got really far along in making a t-shirt that had a logo out of the fluffer nutter, stupid font. Mm-hmm. And we got all the way up to doing it. And then you were like, no, I don't like it. And I said, what? It has Fine. to be perfect. And you were like, nope. It wasn't, like, it wasn't good. good. But, 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 but it's fine. Like, put it out. It's amazing. And you were like, no, not into it. Something else will be better. And I was like, something else what? And you were like, something else. And then nothing. We never put out a t-shirt. I think we put out the fluffer nutter shirt. I think we should do mugs. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. First of all, I have mugs and I'm sure you have mugs that predate your own lifespan. I'm sure you have you have mugs that were your grandparents or something, or maybe older. My my grandparents just drank out of a humble carpenter's cup. That's right. But uh, but I do have old mugs, mugs older than me. And so I would I would say, how many T-shirts do you have that are older than you that you would want to wear? You might have some because you're sort of a clothes horse. Mm-hmm. But most people, I think, wear a T-shirt for a period of time. 
And then eventually they don't wear it as much. And eventually it's in the back of their closet and then it winds up in a drawer and then it winds up in the goodwill pile and then it's gone. Um, that's the lifespan of a t-shirt. Whereas a mug, as you were proof of that can be handed down through generations. And so a mug has a, a much higher degree of permanence and a mug is something that, you know, how I probably shouldn't ask you this question, but how many times can, can you wear the same t-shirt in a week? Right? Like once, maybe twice. How many times can you use a mug in a week? You can have that on your desk. You can wash that at the end of the day. If you're clean and use that every single day, Forever from now on, you have your work mug or your home mug and you have coffee out of that thing every day. Tea out of that. You can, Hey, you can drink your coconut LaCroix right out of the mug if you want. Yeah, don't do that. It's a recommendation. Um, well, but it sounds to me like uh, that second, I'll address the second part, second and the first part first. Okay. The whole concept of planned obsolescence is that the, you not sell things to people that are permanent that they will have for thousands of years. You sell them something which they will wear and enjoy, and then it will gradually end up, as you say, in the goodwill. But then they'll buy another T-shirt later when we have a new design. Well, and buy another mug later, too. And I'll tell you We're, the other thing. Having sold lots and lots and lots of mugs and T-shirts in my career, mm-hmm. it's much easier to do mugs. I'll tell you why. Um, the mugs are all the same. Whereas when you're doing a t-shirt order, you've got to take orders for everybody and then you've got to make them, get them all printed and you've got to order extras because there's always little issues or something gets lost in the mail or, you know, there's a little thread and someone needs a new one because they don't want that little thread. There's no, a, no, we're talking about one of these t-shirt no, companies. Never, that make never. Shirts. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely Why? not. Then you, first of all, that you give away a hundred per all of your profits are given away. That's only if you want to do it as a market. I'm trying to, John, I'm trying to save for your retirement. No, that's not hundred percent. I not have true. listen to me. I sold a thousand damn Philly special shirts. If I had sold that with one of these third party companies, I would have made eight, $9. Instead, I actually put some money in the bank. And that's what I'm saying. You do. We do that. And we handle the fulfillment. Dan telling you, Dan, this is this is I've like, done this. This is this is like you telling it. me that you're going to commit suicide by getting eaten by a shark. John, it's, just, it's different because I've done all of this. I've used the third party companies. I've used my own company. I uh, done it myself. It, it's mm-hmm. much better to do it yourself. It's much better if you have the means, and I do, because I have the technical know how to set it up, mm-hmm. and I have uh, I have a, a great company that does this kind of stuff. It's much, well, much it's, better to yourself. The, the people better. who go and do those ones online, John, are, are people who don't, who don't have time, effort, energy, interest, or concern about doing it themselves. And that's not me. I, I like to roll up my sleeves and do it. I like to be right there on the front lines. But, but, but we have not done it. No, we haven't done it yet. Because no, we have, don't have a good design for the shirt. Plus, I want to do <laughs> mugs. That's the problem. See, you being much better at this than other people is not helping us. Because I want to do have, mugs. That's why it. I want to well, do then mugs. Then do them. Then do them. Do the mugs. Do the mugs. Right, what do you want, want on the, the What do you want on the mug? Not fluff or not. I don't care. I super don't care. It could just say, it could be a child's drawing of the word road work. I think people I like that. Mind. Yeah. Have one of your kids go road work in a crayon. All right. Have the one that can write less well okay. draw the word road work in crayon i think we have and, our mug idea right here and then you'll just send it out people will buy it and they'll they'll be at work with their mug that they've had for 200 years 
and they're, and the other immortals that work there with them will say, God, what is the deal with that mug? And the person will laugh. Ha, 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 ha. I, I will make it so. Yeah, let's have it happen. All right, let's do it. And t-shirts. Mugs and t-shirts. Maybe. There's no reason not to do both. Maybe we'll do both. Some people will buy both things. Yes, that's true. People like, we live in a materialist culture. Yeah. People want to use their money to turn it into things to support the other things that they love. Plus, if someone orders a mug, I can ship it the same day. If oh, they order the a t-shirt, day. then we've got to oh. do a pre-order. We've got to do oh. weeks in advance. and Jiminy uh, Christmas. But you have the technology, you said. Yeah, but you still have to do pre-orders with the shirts. And then people get antsy because it takes longer. And trust me. I don't care about their antsiness. Listen, if you're listening to the show and you get antsy, Go run around the block. <laughs> Hop up and down in your chair. This is what you tell your daughter, right? When yeah. she's dad. Yeah. yeah. Does if she call you MC, dad or John? Well, we have this. Does she call me? I'm just John? asking. It's a valid question. Oh my God, it is not a valid question. My daughter does not call me John. If I were teaching Miss, in Mr. a high Roderick? school, they would not call me John. No one calls me John unless they are my peer and friend. Okay. Everyone else calls me Everyone else tips their fedora at me and goes, Mr. Roderick. Yeah, okay. Or they say, sir. My it's, daughter, wor- it's worth asking. You act like it. that's a bizarre question. It's a serious question. It is, should not be a serious question if you, if you know what do her friends? All. What do her friends call you? Her friends very shyly look at me from under their bangs mm-hmm. and answer my questions with one word, which is what little girls apparently do when I ask them questions. <laughs> Are you having a good day today? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's because you're so tall. What game are you playing? Dolls. Okay, <clears throat> having fun. Yes. All right. Good. You carry on then. That's the conversations I have with my daughter's friends. She, uh, she said to me last night. She said, "I may not always call you daddy." And I said, "Oh, what else would you call me?" And she said, "When I get older, I think I may call you dad." Oh. And I said, that seems reasonable. And she said, I even now call you dad sometimes. And I said, that's true. But I bet when you get older, sometimes you will still call me daddy. And she said, why? And I said, when you are 22 and you want to borrow money uh-huh. to buy a car, exactly, will go, daddy. Yeah. Every time. And she got a look on her face that, that revealed that she had no idea what I was talking about, uh, but her mother laughed. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, so she will call me some form of that. When I was, when she was born, I told everyone in the family, um, that I was going to raise her to call me hair doctor. <laughs> really? <laughs> and the women in the women in my family did not we're not a hundred percent sure whether or not I was serious because when my daughter was born, it was, it was uh, a lot of people did not know what I was going to do. Right. Because I, I was not bound by the convention of marriage. And up until that point in life, I had done whatever I wanted. And there was a certain expectation. I think that, um, that that was evidence that I was immature, um, that I didn't, that I didn't know how to accept responsibility. Mm. And they, 
and by they, I mean an awful lot of people have the uh, people close to me and people in my, you know, in my in concentric circles going out from me expressed either openly or by implication, some expectation that I was going to uh, be unreliable as a, as a parent, as a, as a parent. Well, and, and because I think they equated the fact that I had always just done what I wanted uh-huh. with being unreliable. And it wasn't that I had ever especially like let anybody down. It was just that as life went on and my friends all took on greater and greater responsibility in the form of working a full-time job that then led to a job with more responsibility or they got a car payment and a house payment or they started to employ other people, you know, in each one of these silos, people took on greater and greater responsibility in their own lives. And they looked at me and said, well, he's not doing any of those things. And so it must be that he cannot take responsibility or it must be that he is immature or uh, unreliable. It was a, it was a general presumption that comes with being, I mean, it comes with the territory, right? I mean, there are a lot of things that, there are a lot of benefits that I accrue from the choices I've made in the way that I live that I have accrued over the course of my life. But it comes with disadvantages. And a lot of those are that you, you, people see you in a certain light, right? There, there are, um, like for instance, I'm trying to get a loan from a bank and the bank looks at me and says, we can't, we can't loan money to you. I mean, we can't loan a significant amount of money to you because you, you look at you, you have no visible means of support. And although it, although I'm like, ah, I wish I could get money from a bank. Like a lot of people can, I'm not resentful. I don't feel like it's a, it's the man or the system arranged against me. Of course it is. Of course it's arranged against me because I have made choice. I've made unconventional choices and the benefits of those choices far outweigh the fact that it's much harder for me to do things like get alone. And that's true. That's true in a lot of social ways too. And so when, when my daughter was arriving on the scene and the people closest to me and the people in the next rung out from closest and the people in the next rung out from that all had this sort of, they all cast aspersions. Mm. They all gave the impression that they were waiting for me to what, uh, leave or become one of those, I guess, millions of dads that sees their kid every once in a while Mm -hmm. or has a new girlfriend. And so doesn't see the kid for a month or, you know, like a, a a dad basically like, you know, like a, like a male. Right. Is what, is what they expected. I was going to, I was going to let everybody down, um, and go pursue my own interests. And I, and you know, and the thing is that a lot of women do this too, right? That, they meet a new guy and move like whether they take the kids or not, they, they split up the family because they're following their own heart. Um, and the thing is, as those aspersions were being heaped upon me, I didn't, I wasn't, I mean, I was a little offended, but I, but I understood 
I knew. In, in I'm surprised you were only a little offended. Well, the thing is, I it's again like I have benefited so much from the way that I, from the choices that I've made that the downside of those choices I have to I have to own. Oh yeah, you could own it. You can embrace it and say, okay, that's fine. Yeah, right. I mean, I get it. I never, I never, I never got a job. So people might think I couldn't get a job or couldn't work a job. They, you know, they, they, they try to explain, uh, to themselves, like why I am like I am. And it, and it's, it's much hard. It's much easier to say that I do it because I couldn't do the other thing rather than to say that I intentionally don't do the other thing. Mm -hmm. So when I said, I'm going to teach her to call me hair doctor, (laughs) that's how I expect to be addressed by my daughter. Um, there was a lot of, uh, pushback from people like angry pushback because it didn't seem implausible to them that in fact, that's what I would do. And even though I, it was 100% a joke, people were like, you will not do that. Right. It, that it, is it, a, it upset them. That is a very bad idea. And I was like, Hey, Hey, shh, it's, it's fine. I won't, I won't teach her to call me hair doctor, but I am totally going to teach her to call me hair doctor. <laughs> and for, you know, for a while, because it seemed like the type of thing that, uh, that a flaky, uh, nut, nutty dad would do a dad that was like basically captain haddock um would do and then you know and then just sort of drift off and 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 truth be told i did give her a kooky middle name um and insisted upon it and that i look back at and go wow (laughs) it's no wonder people don't loan you money uh because you do make questionable decisions and giving her a kooky middle name was was a thing that seemed totally right. I think uh, the, the audience yeah. right now is saying, what is the middle name? Well, of course they want to know her kooky middle name, but that's, you know, that's, that's for her and her alone. Okay. She's allowed at some point in her life to, to utilize that kooky name or she can leave it out 100%. It's on her birth certificate, but she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to deploy it unless she decides. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe she can submit a change of name form at some point and get it, get it completely erased. It's not like embarrassing or, or something like that. It's just like, it's just, yeah. Well, what am I doing? What am I doing in this world? Uh, but I think as time went on, um, a lot of people did not expect that I would have fulfilled my responsibility to my daughter to the degree that I have. And by that, I mean, you know, to an overwhelming degree Mm -hmm. because they didn't think it was in character. I knew it was in character. And I think what it boiled down to was I don't make promises. I don't swear oaths. And the reason is that, uh, the, the, and the assumption that other people have is that I don't, I don't make promises and I don't swear oaths because I can't keep promises or oaths. That's just the natural assumption. But it, it's the opposite. I absolutely keep promises and absolutely keep oaths 
and don't make them and don't swear to them for that reason. Cause I'm not going to make a promise that I don't intend to keep. And I would never swear an oath that I wouldn't honor. Um, and I see people do it all the time. I mean, all the time make promises that you can just see them break as they make it. Hmm. They make, they make promises of convenience. Um, they swear an oath and then two years later it's no longer convenient. And so they, they break the oath and I just couldn't, I never could fathom that, you know, I have such a, such a strong, uh, sense of betrayal. When I watch someone break an oath they made to someone else, I feel like what the hell is the purpose of an oath? Like oaths are not things that you, that you make that are equivalent to, yeah, I'll do that for a while as long as it's convenient. Like that isn't, that's not an oath. That's what you should have said instead. Right? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'm, I'm game. I'll do that until I, something better comes along or until I'm no longer enjoying it. I think we're making money. Maybe, maybe it's because people are, have the intention to do it or well, maybe they feel pressured to do it or something. Hell. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, think you, I think you're more, uh, surprising, maybe not surprisingly, but I think, I think you're more in touch with that aspect of your own self and your own personality than most people. I think a lot of people, these are the same people who are probably making a new year's resolution. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to be able to bench press my weight by, you know, such and such a time. And, and then for whatever reason that doesn't happen, I think it's the same thing. I think the intention is maybe good and maybe they're expecting too much from themselves. But that's the thing. A resolution is not an oath. Mm. And you can make resolutions all day and that's what it should be. That's what they should be. You, when you, when you stand up in the church and say, you know, I, I will absolutely make a resolution to, to have this marriage last. (laughs) But you know, the thing about an oath is that the requirement of it is that is precisely that when it becomes inconvenient, when it is no longer fun, when Mm -hmm. you no longer are profiting from it, when it becomes a burden, when it becomes a a source of pain, when it becomes a source of agony, you keep the oath. That's the only reason you would make an oath. Right. Because to be bound by something like that, it's an assurance that you will continue to do this thing in spite of the fact that it makes you, that it no longer, that in fact, it now defines your life as something that you did not in, you, you hoped your life would never be. You know what I mean? Like you fulfill the oath to the, to the detriment of your, of your life. Mm -hmm. That's how oaths work. And so you say, you know, if somebody is dying and they say, will you just, please like swear that you'll help my kid make it through college. And you say, I will Dan, I'll, I'll make sure your kids get through college. You have my word. And Mm -hmm. then your friend dies like four years later, you don't get to say, ah, those kids are really ungrateful. And like I'm changing jobs and you know what? Their mom is going to take care of it. It'll be fine. And just like, just drift off. 
you know, you don't swear an oath if you're not going to say like, these kids are super ungrateful. Their mom is, is like, you know, taking them somewhere else. I've got a new job and yet I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this oath. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way about, about any, any time you make an oath. And honestly, I kind of feel that way about a promise. Um, which Dan is why I don't make them. I don't say I promise, Mm. uh, under duress. I don't say it just to get somebody off the phone. I don't say it to, uh, you know, I don't say it if I don't mean it. And it is frustrating to other people because they're like, will you promise me that you're going to do this? And I say, I'll do it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, you know, everything, I'll do everything in my power to get it done. And they're like, yeah, but just promise that you'll do it. And I'm like, I mean, a lot of things could happen, but I'm going to work my ass off to, to try and get this thing to you. And they don't understand why I, what, you know, basically they don't understand why I won't just say, I love you. And, and for years and years, I wouldn't say I love you to somebody if I didn't love them. Um, and that's like, I mean, it's frustrating. Are there a lot of people who are telling you that they love you and you don't love them? Because that's a regular problem for you. I'm not, I'm seriously asking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, over the course of my adult life. Yeah. I have a different, I have a different, maybe, I mean, this is, we've talked about this before. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly what love. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what happiness means. So I'm not, I'm not sure if, I mean, love what it is. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is. And I didn't want to use the word speciously. Mm -hmm. So I certainly didn't want to use the word where it was like, well, we've been dating six months. So, so all of our language now has to like ratchet up a notch just as a component of like working our way up the ladder of our relationship. Now, I guess I love you. Um, And and again, that's frustrating. And in some ways you could say that that was immature, right? Like that there are expediencies that you just say, I promise, or you say, I love you. And the language doesn't have to be pregnant with so much, you know, like so much Catholic meaning. It can just be language. That's like, you can just use it poetically and say, I love you and I promise. And then later on when you don't love them and you break your promise, then you just deal with the fallout then. But somehow I felt like it was, it was intrinsic to me that I could not, that I had to, I had to maintain some, some kind of honor because that was what was going to make me dependable. I wasn't dependable in the sense that I showed up for work every day at eight, I was undependable in that regard. But if I told you I would do something, you could count on it. It was, I, it was something that you, um, that you knew I would do. And, you know, and the, and the, and the other side of it is like, I will always pick you up at the airport. I'm not one of those friends. that's like, can you take a cab in or, I mean, you know, friends in New York and LA who are just like, see you when you get here because people in New York and LA for the most part, don't pick you up at the airport. They just don't. 
I mean, Ben Acker does sometimes. But I mean, it, but, doesn't it depend on your relationship with the person? Like, for, exa- for example, no, let me pause. Pause and let me ask you this. Okay. If you lived in New York. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to be visiting New York. You'd be like, great. See you when you get here. Right. Because you know that all New Yorkers rely on public transportation all the time to, to do everything. And very few New Yorkers own a car. But if this was your, the, let's just say the person that you were in love with. This was the person that you were planning on spending the rest of your life with. You're dating this person. This is your future wife. And she, and, and she, this is something you've, you know, just put yourself if you can in this situation. And she says, well, I'm, I'm flying in. I'll get there at, you know, 930 PM on Tuesday. Would you, if you owned a car, go and get her from the airport? If you didn't own a car, would you meet her at the airport or would you just be like, well, I'll wait for your cab to, to pull up to our place. <laughs> I mean, I think that happens. I, I have never, uh, lived in New York or LA in a way in which I would have to pick somebody up at the airport. So I, I'm, so I cannot speak to it as much as I thought I could. But in Seattle, if you, if you know me and you say, can you pick me up at the airport? I pick you up at the airport. And it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning. Right. Well, that you're hoping so, it's two o'clock in the morning. You know, it's actually pretty fun to pick somebody up at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and that's a small thing. I remember there was a, there was a, an incident. This is, um, well, this is years ago. I was at a party at, um, at Colin Malloy's house in Portland and a mutual friend of ours got super drunk, got drunk and drunk in such a way that they were passing out at the party. Mm. And my feeling is, I mean, I, I, I benefited from as a drinking person, not really passing out. I got super drunk, but I didn't pass out. Right. I never blacked out. And I always felt like if you were the kind of person that blacked out or passed out in public, I would expect that that would be a strong motivator to not drink that much because I can't imagine a thing scarier, frankly, than that I wake up in the morning and have no recollection of what happened over the course of hours. Like that's terrifying to me. And, and I know people that it happens to, I know people that do they get drunk? They black out. They just don't. I mean, I'm talking about not, not black out, like, like go unconscious on their feet and fall to the floor. But like, they just, they, they just don't con- remember what happened. Yeah. They continue to do things and say things and missing get time, in, get into cars and go places with people and don't remember. Can't imagine that. And honestly, I've been as shit faced as you can be, but, um, but I always, you know, I always, knew enough to kind of get my back into a corner or something. I had a, I had a strong self-preservation instinct, uh, that, that for the most part kept me from passing out in public. Um, I could hold my liquor, but also I, if I was super drunk, I would go out behind the party and barf so I could go back in and drink more. But you know, I, I just feel like I drank like that because I could, but if I if every time I drank, I passed out, 
I don't think I would go to parties. I would keep my, my, um, my super bad unhealthy alcoholic drinking to something that I did at home, you know, uh, because of, because of how scary that is. But over the years, my God, so many people have passed out around me and I am, I, I am immature. And this was years ago. I was at a party at Colin Malloy's where one of the things I did at the party was go into their bathroom and steal all their toilet paper and then go toilet paper the house during the party so that um, everybody was in the backyard and I was out front and toilet papering all the trees. It was pretty great. I mean, it was not regarded as great at the time. Colin was mad and chased me down the street, but it was hilarious. But someone else, a rock star, somebody that we all know was drunk at this party and, and fell asleep at the party from drunkenness. And so I got, what do you think I got, Dan? What do you think I went and found? Uh, a Sharpie, a Sharpie, oh, because now yeah, we're going to so do that. Yes, of course yes, you would have done that. Now we're going to get a Sharpie because yeah. our drunk friend is drunk. And there was a lot of like, oh my God, really? Are you really going to Sharpie your drunk friend, your drunk rock star friend? And I said, yes, absolutely. If you par- pass out in the middle of a party, of course, of course. And another friend of ours uh, a rock, uh, another rock musician, um, said, I think there are two kinds of people in the world. There's the kind of people that there are two kinds of friends. There's the kind of friend that sharpies you while you're, uh, passed out at a party. And there's the kind of friend that picks you up at the airport, no matter when you arrive. And I said, you are wrong, sir. The same person can be both kinds of friends. And it is, uh, I think that is, that, that is hard for people to accept, right? That you, um, that you can be both a bastard to your friends, an immature, awful, um, like total pain in the ass, disrespectful, and also always there for your friends. Um, and I don't, I don't, uh, it's partly the, partly the way I grew up, partly that in Alaska, if your friends aren't dunking on you constantly, um, if they're not like, always tying uh, cans full of rocks to the back of your car, even if it's not your wedding day. You know, if your friends aren't pranking you, then they don't really love you. But they also would always, you know, would always be there, would perform surgery on you if you needed it. Right. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and if you are there, if you are, if you are bloody, Like they're not going to, there are so many people out there that if you got hurt, they would take you to the hospital and drop you off. And it's, and in Alaska, that is just not how it is. They would take you to the hospital and wait and go in with you as far as the doctor would let them go. Right. And stay there until, until they were given further orders. And one of the things that was hard about moving to the lower 48 was moving into a culture where it was like, you know, you're you're on your own kind of thing. I'm hurt. I need to go to the hospital. And they're like, we'll call you a cab, but we're not leaving. This party is still going. It's like the party is still going. So this, did this happen to you specifically? Yeah. Multiple times, like not always the hospital, but, um, I mean, I remember one time, uh, I was standing outside of a bar in Idaho with a group of friends. We all had fake IDs. 
And the guy at the door stopped me and said, I'm not so sure about this. I'm not so sure about this ID. And I was like, we all have the same ID. We're all traveling as a group. We're all the same age, 21 years old. And he was like, not you. And he, you know, pulled me out of line. And I was with the, I wasn't with a huge group. I was with a group of four friends. And I was like, oh, fuck. All right. What do you guys want to do? And I watched all four of them be like, see ya. Go into the bar. And their, and what their attitude was, was, I mean, you know, we've got fake IDs. We get to go into this fancy bar. It didn't work out for you. I'm sorry. But like, this is a big deal. We're going into this party. And these were like four or three good friends. There were four of us. There's three good friends and they weren't my friends from then on. Mm. Like something, I mean, they are, they are still my friends to this day, but not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, because in Alaska, that would not have happened. Right. Just not in a million years. Your friends would have been like, all right, let's and you're, go but do you're holding else. them to the standards of a, of a different place of a different. Not really. No, that's a, that is a standard of, that is a basic standard. I think I like that standard. It's I'm a, just saying, I'm is. not sure that, that, that it's, I don't think it is place related. I mean, I, apparently it is, but I mean, I, one of the wonderful things about Alaska is that there are basic rules that I think are maybe a product of the fact that it's a culture that's, that's strongly influenced by, um, by people from the South and by people from, the far north, you know, it's a, it's a melting pot, but it's hardy people. And they are, um, that they, they are some of the last people that are still holding on to old codes maybe, mm-hmm. but that just felt like a very basic thing. And it was an affront. I would not let pass. I mean, that's not a thing where I'm like, well, all right, I'll just go find something else to do. And I did. I went and found something else to do. I made some new friends that night, in fact. But what I did was lose some old friends, too. And that kind of thing. And the thing is, if they had drawn on my face with a Sharpie when I was passed out, I would have gone, you dicks. But I would have deserved it. Don't pass out at a party. I mean, I I would never have been like, that uh, to get drawn on at a party is not a friendship ending thing, but probably for people who, uh, who don't have like any kind of maybe the same friendship code, um, being left outside of a bar by your friends isn't a friendship ender, but getting a dick drawn on your forehead <laughs> is, uh-huh. and that is a culture I don't belong to. Those are people I don't identify with. Like anybody who would be a, who would, who would not want to be my friend anymore because I, because I sharpied on them while they were drunk. I don't want to be friends with them either because they don't, because whatever their priorities are, they're not the same. If they, because that person that I was, that I was prepared to uh, draw on was somebody that knew they could count on me, right? They knew that they could, I had pulled that guy. I'd pull him, I'd pulled him out of the fire before and and I think he knew that I would always. But at this party, I was like jumped 
by, by, you know, by all the women folk screaming, do not do that. No, no, no. Grabbing my hand. And that's expected, right? They're, they, they were protecting, they were protecting the gentility of the event. But the idea that you would look at that and see it as a breach of friendship rather than a kind of, um, a right of friendship, uh, was something that was like, uh, it was a lesson for me. Or it was like, I get it. I get it. I see, I see what, um, I'm trying to understand that culture a little bit better, but also recognizing that I'm just, I'm not a part of it. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to, um, uh, to put those things first and think that the other things and just assume that the other things are not part of the burden of friendship. Um, that if you're, if you knock your arm out of the socket, it's my responsibility to help you get it back in. Uh, because we're friends and you know, and it's my, if, and, and basically if you're like, help me get it back in and I'm not <laughs> qualified, if you're like, help me, you know, help me with this abdominal surgery and I'm not qualified, but you're telling me you need me to do it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it the old college try. Use what will combine our knowledge and figure out if we can remove this spleen on the trail. <laughs> we would like to say thank you so much to Linode. Sometimes people stop me on the street. Just the other day I was, uh, I took my son to go see 2001. They did a 4k remaster of 2001 and uh, I took my son to see that he's almost 11 and that's about how old I was when I saw it the first time and uh, I was sitting there where you know the movie was there and this movie has an intermission in it which is I find fascinating they used to have an intermission for longer movies back in those days uh, in the late 60s when this thing came out and so there's an intermission and the guy sitting next to me looks over he says Dan I said yeah he says oh hi I'm Gary we started talking he said what is a Linode Tell me all about Linode. Well, now I'll tell you about Linode. Linode is a hosting company that offers you high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. This is where I host all of 5x5's infrastructure and also where I host the stuff for Fireside.fm, the podcast hosting platform. That's where our servers live, and that's how much I trust Linode. They have it all, lightning-quick servers in the cloud. They've got the super-fast network in all their data centers. They've got automated backups node balancers, managed services. They've got SSD storage. You name it, they've got it. It's a simple but powerful system. Oh, they've got a great control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And they offer two gigs of RAM on their servers for only 10 bucks a month. That's, I mean, it starts, you, you can spend even less than that and get a server. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including us. And to get started, it's, it's so easy. You pick a plan, you choose your favorite Linux distribution, and then you pick from one of the eight data centers they have in America, Europe, and Asia. You can pick the data center that's closest to you. You could pick one that's central to all your customers. You name it, you've got the choice. Like I said, you can start with a one gig plan for five bucks a month and go all the way up to 16 gigs for 60 bucks a month and more can upgrade your storage, 30 gigs of storage. I mean, you name it, whatever you need to do, they'll help you out. And so to support this show and get 20 bucks in Linode credit, which could be like 
four months if you go with that entry level plan. Go to promo.linode.com slash five by five. Again, promo.linode.com slash five by five. And Linode is spelled L I N O D E, like Linux, not Linux. Come on. Promo.linode.com slash five by five. Go check it out. Simple, powerful, reliable. Linode.com. You know, I think, I think there is, um, it's interesting because you, you said that about someone, you know, waiting with you, not waiting with you, drawing on your face while you were asleep. I wouldn't take it personally at all if someone's like, well, I can't wait with you or I can get you a cab. I can't go. I'd be like, that's fine. But like the idea of somebody drawing on me while I slept, I'm not saying I would a- end a friendship with you over that. But I would be pretty pissed about that. <laughs> I would be pretty pissed. And and I'm not saying like, we're not friends anymore. No. But I'd be like, that would really piss me off. Like, that's uh-huh. a major crossing a line. Um, maybe if I was, you know, 19 in college, it would have been fine or wouldn't have been fine then either. But it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, dude, like, I'm going to stay here. But like, I'll, I'll help you into the Uber, you know get make sure you get off on your way okay that's fine yeah that's perfectly okay but like drawing on me not okay yeah yeah no i've <clears throat> i've had to learn different norms certainly right now at the age of 49 years old i'm <clears throat> i'm not going to draw on anybody's face at a party um this is from a long time ago this this event happened when i was 35 i guess which is a time when you would think i probably already should have not been drawing on people's faces, mm-hmm. but, um, but now that I'm 49, certainly I have learned how to live in a world where people do not take you to the airport or stay with you if you need to wait, but don't also draw on your face. Like I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't, every time somebody says I'm taking off and I go, really, I'm, I just have a little bit longer to go here. And they're like, yep, see you later. Like I do, it's not the end of our friendship. But it always feels alien to me. Well, I, I, I like that. I, I, I am the kind of person who would and has gone with people to things like that. And I still would for a friend, but I've never drawn on somebody. Yeah. Well, you've not lived. Well, I'm, I'm happy that I haven't lived in that way. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be drawn on and I wouldn't draw on anybody. Uh. I mean, like, I'm not talking about like you're sitting in school and the kid like is your friend next to you and you like grab a pen and like draw it on his arm as you're leaving class. Like, of course, I've done that. But I'm not saying like fully taken advantage of somebody who is essentially unconscious and done mm-hmm. something like that. No. Oh, well, and there's a very there, there are key differences, right? I'm not going to uh, take a drunk girl into the other room and draw on her. It's like your buddy, your your male pal. Mm hmm can't hold his booze and passes out in the middle of a party. Um, the idea that this friend is in that state is um, someone who should be protected is 100% uh, 100% true if the house is on fire. If the house is on fire, this friend I would pick up immediately and carry out. Right. Now, a lot of the people who would never draw on the guy Mm -hmm. also would not make any effort to pick him up and carry him out of the house. They would shriek. They would go, oh, no, and they would run. 
Um, but the idea that, that the crime of humiliating him, which is what drawing on him is. Yeah. Embarrassing him for being too drunk at the party. Um, punishing him in a, in a way that is, uh, something only a friend could do. You know, you don't get drawn on by a stranger or by somebody that doesn't know you. Yeah. You don't get drawn on by a, by a bunch of, bunch of guys that just showed up. No, you get like fake tattoos from your close friends as a form of saying, as a, as a form of punishment, because passing out at a party is an incredible imposition and burden on everyone. Else. I can, I can see that, you know, like not only are you no longer fun, you're super unfun. And if there is a fire, we have to stay here now. We can't, I can't leave this party because my friend is too drunk to go. I can't be like, because once again, I'm not the type of person that's like, well, he's too fucked up. We're going to the next party. Good luck. Because that is an incredible imposition on the people whose party it is. Right. That's an incredible, I mean, so you bear that burden of friendship. You have to take care of this person. And so fuck yes, they're going to get drawn on, you know, fuck yes, they are going to get humiliated here. And it's a, it is a different sense of friendship because I know a lot of people that would never draw on a person, but would also leave them shit faced for someone else to deal with. And I've been the person who was hosting that party Mm -hmm. who got a drunk person left there by their fucking inconsiderate friend. Uh And I've been in a group of people where half the people were like, well, if you're going to stay with him, then we're going to take off. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess I'm the only one that's going to babysit this. I can can see that being very frustrating. You guys go party. So, I mean, the person that passes out at a party is not some fucking innocent who needs to be, who needs to have a wet towel dabbed on their forehead by a caring, loving friend trying to bring them back to their senses. They are a fucking asshole who drank themselves shit faced and should have the word fuck face written on them (laughs) so that in the morning when they wake up, not only do they have a bad headache, but they look at themselves in the mirror and they go, Oh, I'm a fuck face. However, I would never fucking leave them there. Mm -hmm. And living in a world where that is, um, I mean, I get it. There are plenty of people that would never leave their friend at a party and also wouldn't draw on them. Right. But actually there aren't that many, you know, like the Alaska problem is that the drawing is also normalized. <laughs> the, I think if you were in, if you were in like cowboy country or something, maybe, and maybe it is, maybe it does. It has echoes of cowboy hmm. to it, but But whatever, it all feels related. It all feels related to, because look, I'm an asshole. Like always was. Um, like I'm not saying that this is a, that these are the foundational rules of civilization. But, but the idea of what, like what faith is, what friendship is, what like um, obligation is, what like debt and oath is they just vary so much among people who are living right next to each other, like right next to each other, 
when my daughter was born, I had a group of a very close group of friends, all of whom were married and every one of them threw me a lot of shade about the fact that I was having a daughter and I wasn't married to the mother. And they threw me a lot of shade in Mm -hmm. the form of, well, what are you going to do when she meets somebody else? Are you going to let your daughter get raised by some other dude? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm having a baby with this person. Why are you doing this? Why are you filling my head full of this crazy shit? Daughter get raised by some other dude. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm -hmm. They're like, I'm just saying, man, I'm just saying, you know, you should think long and hard about whether or not you get married. And I'm like, you think I haven't thought long and hard about it? What are you trying to say? And these aren't, these are alternative people, right? They're not people. They weren't talking about it from a religious standpoint. Right. They were just saying, you need to lock, you need to lock this down by getting married. And I said to them all, and you know, and this was, I was much older, right? So I didn't say, well, this is a friendship ending like lack of understanding. I said, okay, well, you know, y'all think what you need to think, but this is going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me in this regard. Well, of that close group of people now, eight years later, what would I say? I would say there are eight people that, that eight couples that were, um, consulting me. And honestly, the, that mentality that um, take me aside and like read me the riot act yeah. always came from the, from the men. The, the women in those couples were always a hundred percent supportive. It was the men that, that said, dude, you know, you're going to, you're going to have this baby and not be married. Like you're crazy. Well, of those eight, five of them have subsequently divorced. Hmm. And, Four of them, four of those are now remarried to someone else. Just in that same eight years, in the same eight years that I've been raising my daughter, quote unquote, out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. And I, and also no of them, never an apology or no self-reflection because each one of them, their marriage ended for its own reasons, right? There's, they're not statistics. Their marriage ended because, because of this or because of that. And they got remarried because of this or because of that. And each time they said the same vows, each time they vowed for life and each time they made all these promises, um, that they had a lot of, uh, they had a lot to say to me about what my obligations were and whether or not I was going to be able to meet them and whether, and what I needed to do. You know, they had a lot to say about it. Uh, and they do say now like, wow, you, you're such a great dad. Like we never would have guessed. And I'm like, Hmm, well, you know what? That's not anything about me that changed. I always was that, um, a lot has changed in your life and I'm not like, I didn't have anything to say about it when you got married and I don't have anything to say about it now except in the context of um, the way that I, you know, the way that I was judged. And 
judged for not making an oath I knew I couldn't keep, but then keeping that oath to the best of my ability rather than making an oath, hoping that the oath did the work. Mm-hmm. And when it didn't break it just as easily as you made it, make another one, keep on making oaths, keep on hoping that the oath does the job and, and not that you have to do the job. Thank you.